Bible study Hi, my name is Matt, and we're going to go ahead and start here with the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And um, basically, I just want to talk a little bit about uh, Genesis just to begin with. The word Genesis actually comes from the Greek word that means beginnings, um, whereas the Hebrew uh, Bible would call it Bereshit, which basically means in the beginning also. Um, but the reason that that uh, the, the Greeks would basically summarize like what happens in the book and then they would name it that way. Um, whereas the Hebrew uh, would actually name it what the first few words are or the first phrase or something of that book. Um, because originally you've got to remember that the books of the Bible had no chapters, had no verses until just recently um, in history. So, so basically these books were, were separate scrolls and so in order to know which scroll they were talking about they named it the first few words of the, the book so they would know which book that they were talking about. Um, also whenever the, the rabbis would, would start to learn these um, they would also start in the book of Leviticus, first of all. Uh, they didn't start in Genesis. They actually started in Leviticus. And we can go into that later whenever we get to Leviticus. But they would memorize the first five books of the the Bible there, the, the Torah. It was later translated to the word Pentateuch in Greek whenever it was translated into Greek. Now, there's a lot going on in the book of Genesis. What we're going to do is I'm just going to start reading it in the book of Genesis. We're just going to start with Genesis 1-1 and then we'll just kind of make some comments and stuff as we go. And I'm going to try my best not to foreshadow too much from what's going to happen later in the book. That way we're kind of reading it with fresh eyes and reading it um, just for what it is and what's there. That said, I may make some some comments here and there just because I find them interesting or something like that. But anyway, let's let's start uh, Genesis 1-1. And what happens here is that this is talking about uh, the creation story. And it opens up with the infamous line, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, right off the bat, I, I want to mention something here. Where it talks about in the beginning, God, that part there, um, there is... And the Lef Tav listed in there in the original Hebrew that didn't really get translated into uh, the English version. Now, every time in the Bible that there is this kind of this reconciliation or creation or recreation of an original covenant between God and man, there is a, a listing of this Aleph Tav, which are the two uh, first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph being the kind of the version of A and Ta being the version of Z that we would have in the English alphabet. Um, later in the New Testament, you're going to hear that called the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. And when they say in the New Testament, when it talks about the Alpha and the Omega, it's actually referring back to this Aleph and Ta that's in the original Hebrew. So uh, just kind of keep that in mind. And the other reason that they did that is um, not only to symbolize that renewal 
as far as the renewal of these relationships or the beginning of these relationships, it is also um, indicating which God that this relationship was with. Because you've got to understand, really, in our world today, in modern America, if you say, do you love God, or something like that, and you mention God, everybody kind of has a pretty good idea of which God you're talking about. It's not like there were 5,000 of them like there were in uh, in this time when these things were written. Um, so when they wrote these things down, when it says God, it would put that a left Todd there to know which God they were talking about. They were talking about the God of the Jews, the God of the Hebrews, the God of of uh, Abraham and 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 Isaac and and Jacob and and uh, on down the line there. Okay, and he was called the God of everything, the the main God, the only God that was the God above all other gods, the King above all other kings. He was that main God. And so they would put that Aleph Tav in there to indicate which God they were getting ready to talk about. Uh, that way they you, you knew it wasn't uh, Molech or you knew it wasn't, you know, any of these other uh, Old Testament gods that were that were popular amongst other other nations at that time. So just kind of keep that in mind too. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good and God divided the light from the darkness and God called the light day and called the darkness night and the evening and the morning were the first day okay so that's one through five let's talk about that for just a minute first off it says in the in the beginning god created the heaven and the earth that word there god is elohim in hebrew which by the way is a plural uh word meaning god the father god the son and god the holy spirit all three together at the, the beginning they were all coexistent and co-mingled as the same thing at in the beginning okay and so when I explain this to my kids I explain the triune God or the the three-person God like this if you think of the word God or Elohim think of H2O and so you have God the Father, which when most people think say the word God, that's kind of what they image or picture in their mind. They picture kind of the old man in the sky that, you know, God the Father is what they usually picture when you hear the word God or think of God as a person. That's kind of what most people picture. Well, in, the, in that way, think about H2O in its most common form and think about that being water. Okay, now, Jesus came to earth, and all of a sudden, Jesus was someone that you could hold in your hand, you could touch, you could grab a hold of it. Um, and in the, in the one sense where God was definitely present throughout everything that happened in the Old Testament, so was Jesus, and so was the Holy Spirit. So all three of those are present, you've got to understand that from the get-go, that from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation, 
all three are present when the name God is used there. Um, God is, is one thing, even though it may have different forms. So, again, if we kind of go back to this, this concept of water, when you say God the Father, think of water like liquid water, its most common form, the most uh, general idea that you think of that comes to mind when you say H2O. That's the first kind of image that pops into your head. Now, when Jesus was born, Jesus became something that was solid. Jesus, it says, the Word became flesh. Okay? Meaning the Word, God, or the name, and they would they would uh, say Hashem, which means the name in Hebrew, the Word became flesh. God actually became indwelled inside a physical body into something that you can hold. Well, think about H2O and think about an ice cube. You can actually hold an ice cube in your hand. Now, did that ice cube, is it going to stay that way forever? No, and he wasn't here forever. After, after being held in my hand for a while, eventually it's going, to, it's going to have its time. And as that time goes by, that ice cube is going to slowly become one with God again. It's going to, he's going to go back and sit at the right hand of the Father. So think about that. It, that. That ice cube, even though I can hold it for a while, eventually it's going to melt and it's going to become back one with, with God the Father and God the Spirit. Now, I just mentioned God the Spirit, so let's talk about that. A little bit after Jesus is, has come and had his ministry here and he dies and is resurrected and then later ascends back to uh, to the side of God and, you know, sits at his right hand and, be, and becomes back part of that triune uh, unity again, meaning he literally uh, re-merges with, with the Godhead um, and with that unity again, all in one place and at one time and so forth. When that happens, he says, I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you somebody to help guide you because I can't stay here forever, because I, I'm not going to be here forever. That ice is eventually going to turn back into water. I eventually have to turn back and go back and become one like my father. And so what I'm going to send you is a comforter. Well, if you think of the spirit, think of steam. Again, we're still talking about the same elements. It's still H2O. It's just in a different form, okay? And it's in a form that stays in suspension. It's, it stays in this, in this, this kind of um, elusive uh, type of state where you can't really grab a hold of it with your hand. Um, you, you can see it. You can see the effects of it. You can wave your hand through it. But again, it's not something that you can physically and literally take hold of in that in that physical sense or in that carnal sense. So just kind of keep that in mind as far as trying to grasp and try to, to hang on to the idea of how is it that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are all God at the same time, and yet there are three things. How can three things... Three does not equal one in, in common logic and mathematics. But in this case, that's how that uh, is is kind of understood, and that's how I try to teach it. Um, to my kids so that they will kind of understand a, a way to think of it, even though it's not a perfect 
uh, metaphor, it's at least kind of an idea to kind of get them on the right track, to kind of give them something to think about. Now, the next thing that it talks about here is it says, and the earth was without form and void. And what that means is, is that the earth was literally without form. And so think of the earth not being a rock covered with water in a perfectly spherical shape. This is something that was without form and was completely void or empty. There was nothing there. So really what we're talking about here is we are creating a space within the universe, within space and time. You are basically marking off a spot where Earth, what we think of Earth as a physical body, is going to become. But at first, Earth was nothing. It was just a space, an empty space within space. It was a place where Earth would then be created. Okay, so when it says that it was without form and void, it wasn't a ball yet, it wasn't covered in water yet, it wasn't a rock yet, it was just an idea. It was a place mapped out in God's mind of where Earth would eventually exist. So that's what that is. And it says, And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of, the, of, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So now we're talking about, we've got water now. And the, so there, there's deepness now, and now there are water that are existent within this space. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So now we have light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. So let's talk about this. We haven't created the sun, we haven't created the moon, we haven't created any of the stars. So what is this light? Where is this light coming from? Because again, we're not seeing the sun and moon uh, created for another couple days. So what do you mean? How is there light without something that is creating the light or that the light stems from, basically? And what this is, this light that is here, you will see this repeated throughout Scripture. This light is what's called, uh, a lot of people pronounce it uh, Shekinah or Shekinah. But it's basically the glory of God. It's actually just literally the brightness that comes from the presence of God. It's just literally the glory of God that lights up uh, the, the space and everything that's in it, everything we think of as a universe or outside of our universe even, everything that was created, it starts right here. And this light that we're talking about is literally just the light of God himself. So now, we see that it's good, and the light is day, the dark is night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now this is why in... Hebrew thought, the concept of the day doesn't start at 12 midnight like it does in America, uh, like it does in our common culture. It started at sundown. And so what we would call Sunday morning is 12 midnight in between Saturday and Sunday. That's when we call the beginning 
of the day, Sunday, here in America. Under the Julian or the Gregorian calendar, the way we think of time, that's how we represent it. Well, Hebrew thought was different. It was very, very closely linked together with the stars and with the sun and the moon and all of creation worked together and we used those things as tools to tell time and to tell uh, to work out the calendar so when they say and evening and the morning were the first day it's because their new day started when the Sun went down so we say midnight in between Saturday and Sunday is when that transition happens they would say when the sun goes down, when it becomes dark, when the sun is no longer visible over the horizon and it becomes dark, at sundown on Saturday night, that's when that transition happens. So even though technically it's not midnight yet, once it turns dark, it has become Sunday. So that's how they kept track of days. They kept track of months in the same way by watching the moon and when the the moon was first visible from nothing meaning you had a new moon a dark moon a completely blank empty you can't see anything of the moon that first day that you can barely start to see the moon again that was the first day of the month so in the middle of the month would be when you had a full moon and then again the end of the month would be when you see that little sliver on the on the back side of the moon just as it's going to become dark again and become a new moon. So that's how they kept track of things. That's how they kept track of time. It wasn't a calculated time. It was literally an observed and visible time that they kept. So keep that in mind as well. So now we're, now we're to verse 6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Okay, so now we have... A firmament or a, a divide a divider a division between the water that would eventually be on earth meaning liquid water and water that was in the heavens okay so this when it talks about this firmament basically what it's talking about is what we would now call a sky it's the one that divides the water that's in the ocean and the water that's in the clouds uh, that's in the atmosphere so think about it that way. So, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, in the middle of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. So this firmament, this expansion, there's this space basically where there isn't liquid water. There's, there's liquid water that's that's like in the ocean and in lakes and in ponds and in rivers and so forth there's water and then there's the water that is basically in the clouds and in the atmosphere and so forth there and that and so this firmament is this expansion this air this sky between the two of them that separates the two so think about it that way and god made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament and it was so and God called the firmament heaven. Now again, we need to look at this word heaven here because it gets used differently in different places. Um, in, in this sense, it's not heaven like where God is sitting in his throne where the kingdom of God is. That is not 
uh, the heaven that we're talking about here. When we talk about this heaven, the Hebrew word heaven there um, actually denotes the sky, where the birds are. Okay, and evening and the morning were the second day. So now we got two days down. So now what we've got is we've created a space. We've gone from nothing to creating a space where earth would exist, to creating water, to creating a division between the waters, between the, the water in the sky and the water that would eventually be on the ground. And now we're in verse 9. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. So before this point right here, you basically had this rock that was completely covered in water. Completely covered in water. There was no little bits of earth poking up through it like what you would think of an island or what we have continents or anything now. There was none of that. The water completely covered everything that was earth at that time. And so we have this rock in the middle. We have it completely covered with water. And now, verse 9, And let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. So at this point, this rock has been here, but it has not been seen until now. The, the, the waters have not abated. And it's saying that the, that the land itself is actually going to grow up or or come to an altitude, expand to a point to where it's no longer completely covered by water. So that's what it's talking about there. So kind of keep that in mind um, as, you, as you go forward. And it says, And God called the dry land earth, that's why we call it earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good, and God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. So now we've got this ball where the ground is starting to poke through the water, and now we've got plants starting to grow on the earth part. We're getting grass and herb that are created by seeds, things that reproduce in their own seeds. Okay? And they make their own fruit, meaning apples make more apples and pears make more pears and oranges don't make apples, um, is basically what it's saying there. And it also is kind of giving where we get the common definition of a fruit by saying that it was a fruit whose seed is in itself. That's why we say a tomato is a fruit, even though we think of it as a vegetable. It's because the seeds are on the inside of itself. Um, that's part of that definition, where we get the definition for fruit, comes from this verse right here. So just keep that in mind as well. And the earth brought forth... Let's turn the page here. Grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. So now we're three days in. Verse 14. And God said, let there be lights, plural, in the firmament, that's the sky part, of the heaven, of the eternal sky, to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs, for seasons, 
and for days and for years. So let's talk about that before we go much further. So we've already got the, the Shekinah glory of God lighting up the universe, providing light so that the land could be visible, so that the earth could be visible. Before that, the darkness was upon the face of the deep. There was no light. He creates light. Now we can at least see what we're working with. Okay? We've created earth. The ground has come forth, so now we've got land and water on earth, uh, visible and poking through, and on that land we've got plants starting to grow and trees starting to grow, and they're able to reproduce of themselves, meaning that, you know, a seed coming out of one fruit makes a new tree that makes the same kind of fruit again. Okay? And now we're in 14, it says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. What that's talking about is that's talking about all the stars, that's talking about all the planets, all the celestial bodies, the sun itself being one of the stars, all of that. And he's saying, I'm putting those there for a reason so that you can use them as a calendar, as a way of keeping track of time, as a way of keeping track of appointments and, and creating a calendar for you in the sky so that no matter where you are on this ball, you can look up and see time and see my calendar, see my my keeping of time, my my beginning of time here, okay? Now when it says being let them be for signs, that means when they look in the heavens, um, there are constellations, and by using those constellations, they can guide themselves around the earth. They know, um, you know, that's used even today, even with the advent of GPS and all these other guidance systems. Um, if you're in the military and you, and, and you have to learn navigation, you learn how to navigate by the stars and the sun and the moon. You learn that still to this day, because it's still a definitive way to find your way around on this planet. Okay, so that's what we're talking about signs, and it says, and for seasons. Now, the word seasons there isn't seasons in the way that we think of, you know, summer, fall, winter, spring seasons. Um, they could figure that out pretty well without having to look up. They could look down and figure that out. They could look down at the ground and go, you know what, there's nothing growing. Uh, it's, you know, 12 degrees outside. It must be winter. There's snow on the ground. It must be winter. And yes, it does snow in Israel sometimes. Not a lot, but it does happen, okay? But my point being is they, would, they could tell from the temperature, they could tell from what was growing and not growing, they could tell from other things what season it was in the sense of, you know, whether it's springtime or whether it's summertime or winter or fall. They, they could figure that out without having to look to the stars. Now they can look to the stars and see that information as well, um, but the word seasons here in Hebrew is actually moed, which is more properly translated as an appointed time or a, a, an appointment or a calendar uh, appointment. Just like you would make an appointment, you know, if you were going to go on a, on a date with your wife um, and you said, okay, we're going to meet at this place and we're going to meet there at 7 p.m. on Thursday, um, you would want to make sure that both of you had the same idea of what 7 p.m. Thursday was, otherwise you're going to be there at different times and that date is not going to be met. 
and one, if not both of you, is not going to be happy when you show up and the other one's not there. So when it's talking about moed here, or seasons, it's talking about these appointments, these set appointed times, which we're going to get into later, okay? So just keep that in mind. Keep that in the back of your head. We're going to get back to it later. And for days, okay, well, those days that we're talking about is the sun goes up, the sun goes down. We've kind of discussed that before. There's your days. And years. Now, they tracked years not only by counting solar days, but also by counting the seasons, by counting, you know what I mean? It, it gets cold. Uh, then it starts to warm up a little bit, then it gets really hot, and then it starts to cool back down again, and then it's cold again. We've made one full big loop, and by doing that, we know that it's been a year because we can keep track of where the constellations are and where they move throughout the year. We can count how many times uh, the sun has gone up and down. We can count how many times the moon has gone from dark to full to dark again. We can figure out years by paying attention to the stars in the sky and, and the sun and the moon. So let's, let's kind of move on from there. 15, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made also the stars. So, what this is talking about is not only can we look up there and use them to keep track of time and, and keep track of appointments and keep track of, of how old our children are and so forth and what time of year it is and know when to plant what crops and when to harvest, but we can also use them for literal light. The greater light rules the day, meaning when the sun is up, it's going to outshine the moon because sometimes the sun and the moon are up at the same time, but the greater light is to rule the day. It doesn't mean it's the only one that's going to be up at the day. It just says that it's going to be brighter. So when it's daytime and you look up at the sun, if the sun and the moon are in the sky, the sun's going to be brighter than the moon. That's what it's saying. And at nighttime, the lesser to rule the night, which means when the sun is not present, the moon then becomes the brighter of the two. Okay, so just keep that in mind. And then also the stars. So now we've got all these other stars and planets uh, that are that are out in the firmament. Because again, if you think about uh, astrology and astronomy, we're kind of the same thing at this time. And quite honestly, we didn't have a full grasp of the difference between stars and planets. Um, in fact, uh, planets, where we get those those words in history, if you go back through the etymology, um, actually means traveling stars, the one the stars that moved around. Um, well, they, stars don't really move around in the sense of perspective from Earth. Uh, they stay pretty pretty solid because of the distance that they are away. Um, but what do move frequently enough for us to notice on a daily basis are the planets. And that's kind of what they were talking about. So keep that in mind, too, going forward. And God set them to the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So now we're four days in. Verse 20, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. So let's talk about that for a little bit. 
when it talks about the moving creature or the creeping thing, um, and it says that has life, that word life there um, is basically a word, the Hebrew word there actually is soul. And the fowl, um, meaning things that fly, that, that they may fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. So again, we were talking about that firmament being that expanse um, in between where the waters are, meaning here's the water down on earth that we know of in like lakes and oceans and seas and rivers. And then there's the water that is uh, in, a, in a less condensed form in the clouds and in the atmosphere. And the birds are flying in that firmament, that space, that sky in between where the waters are. Okay, that middle ground. So keep that in mind. So now we've got things bringing forth abundantly, meaning a, a whole bunch of random different things that can move on their own in the water and things that can move on their own in the sky. Still nothing on the land, but above and below, we've got covered now. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, there's that after their kind again, meaning whales make whales, whales don't make lions, whales make whales, okay, so keep that in mind, and every winged fowl after his kind, there it is again, and God saw that it was good, and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day, so now we're five days in, we've got earth, sun, moon, stars, water, plants on the on the ground, clouds in the sky, animals in the water, animals in the air. Here we go. We're going to pick up here in, in uh, 24. And 24 says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. There it is again, after his kind, cattle and the creeping thing and the beast of the earth after his kind and it was so and God made the beast of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God saw that it was good and God said and this is where we get this is the important part for us 26 and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and after, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So now we're talking here on the sixth day, we're talking about things that walk around and live on the land. Okay? So we've created, again, things like cattle and animals, things that, that walk around and move around on the earth. Not things that fly, not things that swim, things that are kind of in the middle, that walk around on earth, and man. Now the important thing I want you to kind of keep in mind here is, remember before when we talked about Elohim, that word for God meaning a plural thing? When it says here in 26, and God said, so and Elohim said, God plural, all three of them together said, let us make man in our image, not let me make man in my image, but let us, as a cumulative body, make man in our image after our likeness. What does that mean? Well, that means 
there is a physical part of man in the same way that there is a physical part of God. There is a spiritual side of man in the same way that there is a spiritual side of God. And there is a kind of a, a soul uh, part of man or a personality and all the things that make you you as opposed to that make Michael Michael as opposed to Brian Brian all the things that make Michael Michael those things those are your three parts there is the God part the holy part the part that makes you different from every other uh, every other human on the planet there is the physical part of you meaning you physically are inside a body you have a physical body and the spiritual part of you all three they're you're making man in their image meaning in an image as they are are three parts in one man we're also going to make in that same likeness not exactly like us but in our likeness just like that in a representative way of us and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth so God created man in his own in his own image and in the image of God created he him male and female created he them okay so now we've got man and woman entering the picture here okay and when it talks about here in 26 let me kind of back up a little bit when it says to let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle that doesn't mean that we're to in the word dominion like dominate them like destroy them and make them inferior and make them no it, the word dominion there in the hebrew actually means to take care of them to watch over them to keep them to protect them to make sure that they live just as as good as we do so keep that in mind too that sometimes that gets misinterpreted to where we we don't think that animals are important to God or important to um, even to people but they should be so keep that in mind too we're all created on the same day we all we have a lot in common more in common than we have you know apart so keep that in mind too so now we've got male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth there that is again um, now quite honestly if you notice over here when it's talking about the fish let let the waters bring forth abundantly every creature uh, that hath life and the fowl and the in the air and the earth of the uh, and all that when it's walking through that if you look back there when it gives God gives them the blessing the blessing being be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth it says fill when we get over to people it says replenish the earth to plentish again basically so I've got a question about that I don't know really what that means and I've talked to several different scholars and so forth and they all have different ideas but that's something that we can maybe talk about later but keep in mind that that says replenish there, not plentish. <laughs> I know plentish isn't a word, but anyway, just kind of keep that in mind. Okay, so now we're 
here we are at 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree which is in the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat. Okay, now first off, let's talk about that. So every herb bearing seed, meaning anything that grows and reproduces by seeds, spores, that kind of thing, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which the fruit of the tree yields seed, um, to you it shall be for meat. Now the word meat there isn't meat like hamburger meat or uh, deer meat or whatever. It, what it's talking about there is food. That word meat there is uh, more aptly uh, translated as food. So let it be for you for food. So, so far we are not eating animals. Keep that in mind. As of 129, Genesis 1 verse 29, we are vegetarians. Keep that in mind. Not only vegetarians, but vegan vegetarians. Keep that in mind so far. Okay? And for you, that's going to be food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life. There's that word life again. A living soul. I have given every green herb for meat, for food. And it was so. So everything is basically eating plants and fruits and vegetables. We're not eating each other. We're not, people aren't eating people. Dogs aren't eating dogs. Lions aren't eating gazelle. People aren't eating goats or cows or anything like that. Keep that in mind. So far, all of us animal things, people included, birds, fish, all of us are eating plants. We're not eating, we're not eating each other. <laughs> so keep that in mind at this point because that's going to change later. And God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, very good, at this point. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay, that's the end of chapter one. Uh, we're going to get into chapter two, which is basically going to rehash uh, chapter one, meaning chapter one is kind of a bullet point of... Day one, we did this. Day two, we did this. Day three, we did this. Day four, day five, day six, we did this. In chapter two, we're going to start with day seven. And then we're going to kind of go back and give some details about how things were done on these different days. As far as how men was created, how animals were created, where they were created, that kind of thing. We're going to kind of come back and fill in a lot of the gaps where we just got a kind of a bulleted list in chapter one. We're going to rehash that in in uh, chapter two coming up so uh, again i appreciate you guys sticking with me uh this far to read through genesis one um please join me again and read with me again uh when we get to chapter two next time god bless and shalom bible study rehab